so happy that you showed up and joined in to listen and take part of my podcast. It's called You're Probably Right, where everything is right to somebody. And sometimes the left is right and sometimes the right is wrong. Yeah, that didn't really work too well, but whatever. Like that song? Listen. <laughs> ah, tastes good. You should try some. All right, check it out, y'all. You have tuned in to your probably right podcast. I'm your host, MCM. And it's just another beautiful day. December 12th, oh, December 11th, 2021. You know, just thinking of this interesting saying, I can't remember who it is, but you may want to Google it. It says, they say jump and I say how high are these people? <laughs> okay. Well, listen, this is your Probably Right Podcast. I am MCM, and you are welcome at my house anytime. Figuratively speaking, of course, don't you bring your ass over here. Okay, so check it out. I'm going to talk about a few different topics, and I'm going to actually read an interesting column, or I guess... I guess it was a literary, no, it wasn't really a literary review, but it was, um, all I know is it's called your past makes you who you are, a retrospective parenting and relational resilience among black Caribbean British young people. It's interesting, but I'm going to talk about some stuff first, of course. So hopefully I'll get to that article. I guess you would call it an article, right? Well, people, this just in, I believe that you are going to mandatorily have to, same thing, take a third dose of that amazing vaccine. I don't think you'll have a choice. I believe they're trumping up the numbers from Omicron or whatever. I don't know why it's not just called COVID-22 or COVID-19 part two or part three or whatever but the bottom line is it's getting real y'all i don't know what's happening in the states but for sure up here in canada way up here in the great white north where we have no snow by the way um (laughs) they're really pumping up these numbers about omicron they keep telling you that the numbers are going up and up and right now in canada as i said the 12th of december 2021 it is 10 percent of the main uh i guess 10 percent of the numbers that we are receiving in ontario um and they say by january it should be the dominant variant or whatever 
you know, they keep talking about the numbers in schools, especially. And right now they're saying that the most people they're saying that most people who are catching it are from the ages of five to 11. Hmm. Surprise, surprise. Guess who they're trying to get to take the vaccine right now? People from ages five to 11. Ah, interesting. I wonder how many cases they had today. Well, guess what? How many cases they had today, people? They had, or should I say we had here in Ontario, 1,607 new cases. The highest that we've had in almost seven months. So, as someone once said, it is on like Donkey Kong. Okay, enough of that weird voice, but check it out, people. The bottom line is, is it's getting real, and they're going to keep talking about this Omicron, this Omicron um, strain variant, the African virus at this point, I guess. the Maybe the Chinese people were right when they were giving us the boot out of uh, China, knowing, us, knowing that we were starting it, I guess, and I guess uh, Donald Trump was wrong. Because apparently this strain started in South Africa or Nigeria or wherever but um seriously though you know they keep telling you about the numbers are going up the numbers are going up they refuse to be like actually 99% of the people who catch COVID do not actually end up in the hospital and an even higher amount or a lesser (laughs) a lesser amount Wait, 99% don't get sick and end up in the hospital. And hardly any, I would just say that because at this point I'm tongue-tied, actually die when you compare the numbers of people who actually get it. I don't know how, unlike the numbers of the former thing called the flu, I don't know how worse these numbers are as far as killing people. Um, But, you know it's what's happening guys it seems like it's not going anywhere it seems like in canada the masks aren't going anywhere and going anywhere in various parts of the world and it looks like it's a wrap and that's just the way it's going to be it's kind of sad but i would like to know where it came from but you know what it's a sinful world our way of life is destined destruction so I hope you're saved and if you know what I mean then you know what I mean if you don't then you better find out what I mean just be real okay so I'm just gonna talk about a few things before I get into this article but what I wanted to talk about first is the absent system or the late system in, in Ontario especially with schools now What happens now, and I don't know maybe where you live or if it's the same thing, because chances are if we have it here, we probably copied it from wherever you are. Well, not wherever you are, but I think where most of my listeners come from. In other words, the kid doesn't show up at school. They mark them late. I mean, sorry, they mark them absent. And then what they do is they have the school automated system call out to your house usually between the hours of 3 30 and 5 telling you that a student in your home did not attend school they were missing from periods whatever 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 and they want you supposedly 
to call the school and give a reason for your child's up, um, absence. Now, I remember this because used to, I used to get them every once in a while from my kids' schools. And 90% of the time, <clears throat> when I asked my kids about what happened, they would generally tell me, well, I showed up late and she had marked me absent and she didn't fix it or he didn't fix it, the teacher they were talking about. And really, after a hard day's work, you try to give your, your kid the parent eye, <laughs> meaning I know if you're lying to me, but I'm really not going to email your teacher and ask them because I don't want to talk to your teacher almost or probably more than you don't want to talk to your teacher. And it usually just goes. Because what you're seeing now with kids in schools is that they're showing up late and being marked absent the beginning of school but then what happens is they're roaming around the schools they don't actually go to their classes so therefore the teacher is not looking for them and that call will come in but I guess what with those students generally the parents are usually working beyond 3 30 or 4 p.m or sometimes you have a smart kid and they know how to forward that number from your school to their cell phone so they can just delete it Yeah, the absences and lates might show up on the report card, but we all know that many parents don't really look at and inspect that report card too carefully these days. So that's one thing. So what I would tell you is start really paying attention to your kids if you haven't been all this time. Next, and I know I've talked this talked about this a few times, de-streaming. Now, for those of you who are new listeners to my podcast, because I've realized that for some reason my podcast is shot up in um, popularity over the last month or so, and I've been talking about de-streaming, and basically, if you don't know, de-streaming is, see, there was obviously a reason. Now, I don't think that I could, I'm not like that young Jamie on Joe Rogan's podcast so I probably can't find it half as quickly as he probably could but if you put reasoning streaming and let's say in the 80s I guess now why do schools stream? Let's see why schools stream. <clears throat> Splitting pupils as young as six into classes based on abilities known as streaming makes the brightest children brighter, but does little to help the rest to catch up. According to new research, this is 2014, by the way, schools in England say this. Ah, that's interesting. I'm going to read another one, 2006. Let's see what they say. I know this isn't where I plan to go. Oh, that's... No, I can't go over that. But... <clears throat> and I can't play this. But basically, what ends up happening is, in this day and age, there is students who are probably going, hopefully going to university, and they're in academics. And then 
there are also students who go into applied and they're probably going to college possibly and then there are people who would take locally developed courses and essential services and basically trades and that's basically how everything was div divided up so the bottom of the barrel would be the essential workers and the trades people then it would go to applied where there would be people there would be an academic component to their education those people could possibly go to college and then of course academic where they would go to university the real higher learning outside of you know post-secondary schools and everything would be wonderful and great supposedly now what's happening let's see needs of elementary and secondary school in the 80s let's see if i could get something here return to traditional yeah i won't be reading that either <laughs> but basically they're changing the whole streaming system so now they're not going higher midway lower education they're just throwing everybody into these classes but as i've said before personally now again remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only i do not have any illusions that i'm giving you this amazing updated news this is just my opinion of stuff that i've seen and what i think when i think about what i've seen and what i've heard but um i don't think that de-streaming is gonna help the kids i really don't and i'll give you my reasons and you can judge it or you can add it up however you want to add it they say ontario canada is one of the last places doing it still so <clears throat> i actually for where where we are right now i would say first of all i believe that in ontario they're going to be filling up a lot of the jobs with people who have outside of Ontario education or outside of the country education. You know, the people who usually end up driving your taxis and your Ubers and flipping pizzas and cooking up food in small restaurants, mom and pop places and stuff like that. I think these people who actually got degrees in other countries are going to be taking up a lot of the high paying jobs in this country. That is just my opinion. And if you don't believe me, you can check out the new Bill 27, I believe it's called. I can't even remember now. But yeah, I believe that that's what's going to be happening. But also, you see, right now, the issue isn't that you're streaming. It is, the issue isn't that you're, you know, having children go to applied courses and end up in college. And hopefully they graduate, first of all. But which is the main, the main, the mid. Um... The issue is, or has always been, especially for black people that I've known and what I've experienced also is you have a child, they go into grade nine, they're a freshman in, in, in high school, grade nine, freshman, whatever. And before that, even 
they're in grade eight and they're picking what their courses are going to be for grade nine. And usually they're doing this in maybe May, June in Canada here, what they're going to take in September at their new high school. And what ends up happening is there's somebody who looks over what they've picked and says, little Johnny, you really think you're going to take academic math? You do realize, little Johnny, that you got a 54 or 57 out of 100 in percentage. Um, That's, you know, about half of the information that you're supposed to know, but you think you can go into the advanced part of education for math? I don't think it's something that you should do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to call your parents and let them know what my opinion is so that you will go where you belong. Now, I can't say for sure or for certain that this is happening now, but this is what used to happen. And it happened up to about, I'd say, nine, ten years ago when one of my my, uh, children were going into high school. And he fought it and I fought it. And at the end of the day, when he talked to me, he's like, you know, I really wish I just did take the applied. You know, it worked out that way for him. But I can't say some other kids that I know, like my daughter, who wish that they take the other. um, They took the more advanced, the academic. Because what ends up happening is there's pathways that get slowly cut off or you get rerouted. So. Yes, you can take applied and work hard and work hard and go to college and spend maybe two years of education, more education at a college or as they call it in, in the United States, a junior college. And then what you can do is after you've received that, that uh, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called. It's like a junior junior college degree, whatever. But here it's just called a college. Once, once you uh, a college diploma, once you receive that diploma, if your marks are half decent, then what they'll let you, you do is slide into university, maybe second or third year, possibly in some programs. Some you have to just start right from the top again. But um, the issue is, or the issue that I have with it is that many of the students or many of the programs, I should say, that they're offering nowadays you know, there's black grad coaches in Canada now to somehow help to provide some type of basis or some type of support for black students because they're realizing that there's a lot of black students that aren't even graduating high school. So they're actually hiring people to coach the children and coach the families, basically teaching them how to raise their kids or stepping in as an au pair pair, to parent these children through high school because obviously they're not getting it at home. Now, I see that as a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you're saying, yes, these children need help. So we need somebody at the school level to intervene into what's happening with their rearing because these still these students either are disinterested disenfranchised at risk or whatever it is but the bottom line is they well the public outcry supposedly is for these children to graduate high school it's a good thing but what i realize 
is first of all the d streaming the the streaming needed to, to continue for a little bit and instead of offering all these random supports for students especially black students to get through high school how about you do something so that they can actually excel and succeed in high school and life and the best way that you could possibly do that for my community personally in my opinion would be to help the parents okay now this is a very deep and i like i honestly wish i had somebody here to bounce the ideas off so they could kind of you know maybe tell me where i'm airing or tell me where i'm wrong or tell me where i'm right or agree or elaborate on what i'm saying but the bottom line is it's the parents that you need to help it's the parents that were born in say early 70s late 70s and early 80s now who are raising children in school and we are victims of all the nonsense i mean back in the school back in my days a teacher could cuff you in the back of the head in some countries they could spank you and there was like this slave victim beat up mentality that some of us were raised and some of us have stopped but some of us of course have continued to put this on our children in our communities or these things where because we didn't really excel in school we were working extra jobs so we might make a mid or a lower mid salary and to supplement that income so that it comes up so we can live in better areas we will get a part-time job so say you work from eight to four you then you grab a job from five to ten or five to nine or five to twelve to supplement that income how much time is spent with little Susie or little Johnny? Not much time at all. How much time or how much energy do you think I have to deal with my kids' work at home? Not much at all. They think some places they believe that raising the minimum wage is going to help. But apparently that doesn't help either because all it does is cause left jobs and make prices go up so they can pay for the new um, premiums that they're supposed to pay their employees whereas if you keep it low the good workers are the people that work and you make sure that that um <clears throat> that these um different companies are keeping up with the times and you know offering regular uh, wage increases or at least initiatives or things that people can um go towards to to make more money like commission sales jobs nowadays if you look in ontario most jobs that are retail aren't even on commission so there's no advantage for the small person working at the big company or the small company to sell more because if you're going to pay me say 14 bucks an hour to sell three items and if you're going to pay me the same 14 bucks an hour to sell 400 items why am I going to try to sell 400 items when you're going to pay me the same for three items? Is it a self-respect? Is it for love of the company or my commitment to my employer? Most people don't have that, especially black people. 
just being real. Why you say? <clears throat> well, what I'm not saying it because I believe that black people are lazy or believe that they're or believe that they're any more lazy than any other culture. Trust me, I've seen it. <laughs> um, but the reality is we are passed over for opportunities all the time. Now, I understand that there are those token jobs. And if you're dressed just right and if you have the right talk and the right speech and you bow and curtsy enough, you might slide into one of those made up positions like a black grad coach <clears throat> or maybe some kind of a child and youth care kind of a person. You might get a half decent job, but bottom line is there's only a few of those jobs out there. The rest of the so-called black population are not getting those jobs. And therefore, all I'm bringing it back full circle is saying that if you're going to offer these these um, supports for these children, where it needs to start is with the parents. I believe if you would figure out how to help these parents succeed, not handouts, I'm not talking about welfare at all. But if the parents could just succeed, if the parents could do one job, matter of fact, if you have a two parent home and you have a husband and a wife, and if you could just allow for that male to succeed and take care of his family, then guess what? They'll have an operational household. I believe that the man should work out of the home and the woman should work in the home. Now, of course, everybody doesn't believe that. So even if you have two a husband and a wife both working and taking care of kids, school-age children who are going to school and you want to pay for a little daycare or somehow you are lucky enough to be able to be home, one of you to be able to drop a kid off and one, one of you to be home by the time the kids get home. If you're lucky to, to organize that in your life, then kudos to you and I'm happy for you. But there's so many people who can't. So many people who aren't black can't do that. But just from where we're coming from, many of us as black students were put into special ed because of behavior, because we were disinterested in the stuff that they were teaching, because the cultural cultural aspects, or because we weren't made to be teacher's pet. We were at the back of the class goofing off, cracking jokes. And the only time when our ears perked up was when it was time to play some type of sport and for whatever reason yes a lot of us do have fast twitch muscles and coordination for whatever reason you know what i mean i don't know the speculation is out there as to why we are so physically strong and why we are so coordinated why we sing well why we can keep beat keep time who knows but the statistics would probably show that that's just the way it is and that's the way it is. But the bottom line is there's also a lot of us who are deep and great thinkers. We are also many of us the go-to person out of the group of friends who a lot would come to for advice for whatever reason. Um, we have a lot to offer in society beyond sports. But the bottom line is with parents, a lot of them are just overworked and underpaid. So they're having a hard time taking care of these children. And yes, they do want to procreate. They do want to replenish the earth like every other culture, maybe more than others or maybe more than some. I don't really know. This isn't a science show, <laughs> but, you know, I think that's what how you could help the families. 
but I believe going away and just but first of all trying to solve the streaming problem in math as a beginning course is kind of crazy and I've said it once I've said it twice I've said it three times if you really 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 believed that this is the way to go then let us know what you're going to do for the special ed kids that are in special ed or the ones that are really low because nobody knows and if everybody's speaking English in your class wouldn't it make sense to start with English and not math because math is a whole other language by itself and things do add up but I can honestly tell you and I'm just gonna say this last piece is things aren't adding up with the de-streaming of math right now Like that song? Listen. <laughs> ah, tastes good. You should try some. All right, check it out, y'all. You have tuned in to your Probably Right podcast. I'm your host, MCM. And it's just another beautiful day. December 12th. December 11th, 2021. You know, just thinking of this interesting saying. I can't remember who it is, but you may want to Google it. It says, they say jump and I say How high are these people? (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, this is your Probably Right Podcast. I am MCM, and you are welcome at my house anytime. Figuratively speaking, of course, don't you bring your ass over here. Okay, so check it out. I'm going to talk about a few different topics, and I'm going to actually read an interesting column, or I guess... I guess it was a literary, no, it wasn't really a literary review, but it was, um, all I know is it's called your past makes you who you are, a retrospective parenting and relational resilience among black Caribbean British young people. It's interesting, but I'm going to talk about some stuff first, of course. So hopefully I'll get to that article. I guess you would call it an article, right? Well, people, this just in, I believe that you are going to mandatorily have to, same thing, take a third dose of that amazing vaccine. I don't think you'll have a choice. I believe they're trumping up the numbers from Omicron or whatever. I don't know why it's not just called COVID-22 or COVID-19 part two or part three or whatever but the bottom line is it's getting real y'all i don't know what's happening in the states but for sure up here in canada way up here in the great white north where we have no snow by the way 
Um, <laughs> they're really pumping up these numbers about Omicron. They keep telling you that the numbers are going up and up. And right now in Canada, as I said, the 12th of December, 2021, it is 10% of the main, uh, the, I guess, 10% of the numbers that we are receiving in Ontario. Um, and they say by January, it should be the dominant variant or whatever. You know, they keep talking about the numbers in schools, especially. And right now they're saying that the most people they're saying that most people who are catching it are from the ages of five to 11. Hmm. Surprise, surprise. Guess who they're trying to get to take the vaccine right now? People from ages five to 11. Ah, interesting. I wonder how many cases they had today. Well, guess what? How many cases they had today, people? They had, or should I say we had here in Ontario, 1,607 new cases. The highest that we've had in almost seven months. So, as someone once said, it is on like Donkey Kong. Okay, enough of that weird voice, but check it out, people. The bottom line is, is it's getting real, and they're going to keep talking about this Omicron, this Omicron um, strain, variant, the African virus at this point, I guess. the Maybe the Chinese people were right when they were giving us the boot out of uh, China, knowing, us, knowing that we were starting it, I guess, and I guess uh, Donald Trump was wrong. Because apparently this strain started in South Africa or Nigeria or wherever but um seriously though you know they keep telling you about the numbers are going up the numbers are going up they refuse to be like actually 99% of the people who catch COVID do not actually end up in the hospital and an even higher amount or a lesser <laughs> a lesser amount Wait, 99% don't get sick and end up in the hospital and hardly any, I would just say that because at this point I'm tongue-tied, actually die when you compare the numbers of people who actually get it. I don't know how, unlike the numbers of the former thing called the flu, I don't know how worse these numbers are as far as killing people, um, but you know, it's what's happening guys it seems like it's not going anywhere it seems like in canada the masks aren't going anywhere and going anywhere in various parts of the world and it looks like it's a wrap and that's just the way it's going to be it's kind of sad but i would like to know where it came from but you know what it's a sinful world <clears throat> our way of life is destined destruction so I hope you're saved and if you know what I mean then you know what I mean if you don't then you better find out what I mean just be real okay so I'm just gonna talk about a few things before I get into this article but what I wanted to talk about first is the absent system or the late systeming in Ontario especially with schools now what happens now, and I don't know maybe where you live or if it's the same thing, because chances are if we have it here, we probably copied it from wherever you are. Well, not wherever you are, but I think where most of my listeners come from. 
in other words, the kid doesn't show up at school. They mark them late. I mean, sorry, they mark them absent. And then what they do is they have the school automated system call out to your house, usually between the hours of 3.30 and 5, telling you that a student in your home did not attend school. They were missing from periods, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they want you supposedly to call the school and give a reason for your child's up, um, absence. Now, I remember this because used to, I used to get them every once in a while from my kids' schools. And 90% of the time, <clears throat> when I asked my kids about what happened, they would generally tell me, well, I showed up late and she had marked me absent and she didn't fix it or he didn't fix it, the teacher they were talking about. And really, after a hard day's work, you try to give your, your kid the parent eye, <laughs> meaning I know if you're lying to me, but I'm really not going to email your teacher and ask them because I don't want to talk to your teacher almost or probably more than you don't want to talk to your teacher. And it usually just goes. Because what you're seeing now with kids in schools is that they're showing up late and being marked absent the beginning of school but then what happens is they're roaming around the schools they don't actually go to their classes so therefore the teacher is not looking for them and that call will come in but I guess what with those students generally the parents are usually working beyond 3 30 or 4 p.m or sometimes you have a smart kid and they know how to forward that number from your school to their cell phone so they can just delete it Yeah, the absences and lates might show up on the report card, but we all know that many parents don't really look at and inspect that report card too carefully these days. So that's one thing. So what I would tell you is start really paying attention to your kids if you haven't been all this time. Next, and I know I've talked this talked about this a few times, de-streaming. Now, for those of you who are new listeners to my podcast, because I've realized that for some reason my podcast is shot up in um, popularity over the last month or so, and I've been talking about de-streaming, and basically, if you don't know, de-streaming is, see, there was obviously a reason. Now, I don't think that I could, I'm not like that young Jamie on Joe Rogan's podcast so I probably can't find it half as quickly as he probably could but if we put reasoning streaming and let's say in the 80s I guess now why do schools stream? Let's see why schools stream. <clears throat> Splitting pupils as young as six into classes based on abilities known as streaming makes the brightest children brighter, but does little to help the rest 
to catch up. According to new research, this is 2014, by the way, schools in England say this. Ah, that's interesting. I'm going to read another one, 2006. Let's see what they say. I know this isn't where I plan to go. Oh, that's, no, I can't go over that. But, <clears throat> and I can't play this. But basically, what ends up happening is, in this day and age, there is students who are probably going, hopefully going to university, and they're in academics. And then there are also students who go into applied and they're probably going to college possibly and then there are people who would take locally developed courses and essential services and basically trades and that's basically how everything was div divided up so the bottom of the barrel would be the essential workers and the trades people then it would go to applied where there would be people, there would be an academic component to their education. Those people could possibly go to college. And then, of course, academic, where they would go to university, the real higher learning outside of, you know, post-secondary schools. And everything would be wonderful and great, supposedly. Now, what's happening? Let's see. Needs of elementary and secondary school in the 80s. Let's see if I could get something here. Return to traditional. Yeah, I won't be reading that either. <laughs> but basically, they're changing the whole streaming system. So now they're not going higher, midway lower education they're just throwing everybody into these classes but as i've said before personally now again remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only i do not have any illusions that i'm giving you this amazing updated news this is just my opinion of stuff that i've seen and what I think when I think about what I've seen and what I've heard, but um, I don't think that de-streaming is gonna help the kids. I really don't. And I'll give you my reasons and you can judge it or you can add it up however you wanna add it. They say Ontario, Canada is one of the last places doing it still. So <clears throat> I actually, for where, where we are right now, I would say, first of all, I believe that in Ontario, they're going to be filling up a lot of the jobs with people who have outside of Ontario education or outside of the country education. You know, the people who usually end up driving your taxis and your Ubers and flipping pizzas and cooking up food in small restaurants, mom and pop places and stuff like that. I think these people who actually got degrees in other countries are going to be taking up a lot of the high paying jobs in this country. That is just my opinion. And if you don't believe me, you can check out the new bill 27, I believe it's called. I can't even remember now, but yeah, I believe that that's what's going to be happening. But also you see right now, the issue isn't that you're streaming. It is, the issue isn't that you're 
you know, having children go to applied courses and end up in college and hopefully they graduate first of all, but which is the main, the main, the mid, um, the issue is, or has always been, especially for black people that I've known and what I've experienced also is you have a child, they go into grade nine, they're a freshman in, in, in high school, grade nine, freshman, whatever. And before that, even they're in grade eight and they're picking what their courses are going to be for grade nine. And usually they're doing this in maybe May, June in Canada here, what they're going to take in September at their new high school. And what ends up happening is there's somebody who looks over what they've picked and says, little Johnny, you really think you're going to take academic math? You do realize little Johnny that you got a 54 or 57 out of a hundred in percentage um that's you know about half of the information that you're supposed to know but you think you can go into the advanced part of education for math i don't think it's something that you should do as a matter of fact i'm gonna call your parents and let them know what my opinion is so that you will go where you belong now i can't say for sure or for certain that this is happening now but this is what used to happen and it happened up to about I'd say nine ten years ago when one of my my uh, children were going into high school and he fought it and I fought it and at the end of the day when I, he talked to me he's like you know I really wish I just did take the applied you know it worked out that way for him but I can't say some other kids that I know like my daughter who wish that they take the other um, they took the more advanced, the academic. Because what ends up happening is there's pathways that get slowly cut off or you get rerouted. So yes, you can take applied and work hard and work hard and go to college and spend maybe two years of education, more education at a college or as they call it in, in the United States, a junior college. And then what you can do is after you've receive that that uh what's it called <sighs> i can't remember what it's called it's like a junior junior college degree whatever but here it's just called a college once once you uh, a college diploma once you receive that diploma if your marks are half decent then what they'll let you, let you do is slide into university maybe second or third year possibly in some programs some you have to just start right from the top again but um the issue is or the issue that I have with it is that many of the students or many of the programs, I should say, that they're offering nowadays, you know, there's black grad coaches in Canada now to somehow help to provide some type of basis or some type of support for black students because they're realizing that there's a lot of black students that aren't even graduating high school so they're actually hiring people to coach the children and coach the families basically teaching them how to raise their kids or stepping in as an au pair an au pair to parent these children through high school because obviously they're not getting it at home now i see that as a double-edged sword because 
on the one hand, you're saying, yes, these children need help. So we need somebody at the school level to intervene into what's happening with their rearing because these still these students either are disinterested, disenfranchised, at risk, or whatever it is. But the bottom line is they well, the public outcry supposedly is for these children to graduate high school. It's a good thing, but what I realize is first of all the de-streaming the the streaming needed to, to continue for a little bit and instead of offering all these random supports for students especially black students to get through high school how about you do something so that they can actually excel and succeed in high school and life and the best way that you could possibly do that for my community personally in my opinion would be to help the parents okay now this is a very deep and i like i honestly wish i had somebody here to bounce the ideas off so they could kind of you know maybe tell me where i'm airing or tell me where I'm wrong, or tell me where I'm right, or agree, or elaborate on what I'm saying. But the bottom line is, it's the parents that you need to help. It's the parents that were born in, say, early 70s, late 70s, and early 80s now, who are raising children in school. And we are victims of all the nonsense. I mean, back in the school, back in my days, teacher could cuff you in the back of the head in some countries they could spank you and there was like this slave victim beat up mentality that some of us were raised and some of us have stopped but some of us of course have continued to put this on our children in our communities or these things where because we didn't really excel in school we were working extra jobs so we might make a mid or a lower mid salary and to supplement that income so that it comes up so we can live in better areas we will get a part-time job so say you work from eight to four you then you grab a job from five to ten or five to nine or five to twelve to supplement that income how much time is spent with little Susie or little Johnny? Not much time at all. How much time or how much energy do you think I have to deal with my kids' work at home? Not much at all. They think some places they believe that raising the minimum wage is going to help. But apparently that doesn't help either because all it does is cause left jobs and make prices go up so they can pay for the new um, premiums that they're supposed to pay their employees whereas if you keep it low the good workers are the people that work and you make sure that that um <clears throat> that these um different companies are keeping up with the times and you know offering regular uh, wage increases or at least initiatives or things that people can um go t- towards to to make more money 
like commission sales jobs. Nowadays, if you look in Ontario, most jobs that are retail aren't even on commission. So there's no advantage for the small person working at the big company or the small company to sell more. Because if you're going to pay me, say, 14 bucks an hour to sell three items, and if you're going to pay me the same 14 bucks an hour to sell 400 items, why am I going to try to sell 400 items when you're going to pay me the same for three items? Is it a self-respect? Is it for love of the company or my commitment to my employer? Most people don't have that, especially black people. Just being real. Why you say? <clears throat> well, what I'm not saying it because I believe that black people are lazy or believe that they're or believe that they're any more lazy than any other culture. Trust me, I've seen it. <laughs> um but the reality is we are passed over for opportunities all the time. Now I understand that there are those token jobs and if you're dressed just right and if you have the right talk and the right speech and you bow and curtsy enough, you might slide into one of those made up positions like a black grad coach <clears throat> or maybe some kind of a child and youth care kind of a person. You might get a half decent job, but bottom line is there's only a few of those jobs out there. The rest of the so-called black population are not getting those jobs. And therefore, all I'm bringing it back full circle is saying that if you're going to offer these these um, supports for these children, where it needs to start is with the parents. I believe if you would figure out how to help these parents succeed, not handouts, I'm not talking about welfare at all. But if the parents could just succeed, if the parents could do one job, matter of fact, if you have a two parent home and you have a husband and a wife, and if you could just allow for that male to succeed and take care of his family, then guess what? They'll have an operational household. I believe that the man should work out of the home and the woman should work in the home. Now, of course, everybody doesn't believe that. So even if you have two, a husband and a wife, both working and taking care of kids, school-age children who are going to school and you want to pay for a little daycare or somehow you are lucky enough to be able to be home, one of you to be able to drop a kid off and one, kid, one of you to be home by the time the kids get home. If you're lucky to, to organize that in your life, then kudos to you and I'm happy for you. But there's so many people who can't, so many people who aren't black can't do that. But just from where we're coming from, many of us as black students were put into special ed because of behavior, because we were disinterested in the stuff that they were teaching, because the cultural cultural aspects, or because we weren't made to be teacher's pet. We were at the back of the class goofing off, cracking jokes. And the only time when our ears perked up was when it was time to play some type of sport and for whatever reason yes a lot of us do have fast twitch muscles and coordination for whatever reason you know what i mean i don't know the speculation is out there as to why we are so physically strong and why we are so coordinated why we sing well why we can keep beat keep time who knows but the statistics would probably show that that's just the way it is 
And that's the way it is. But the bottom line is there's also a lot of us who are deep and great thinkers. We are also many of us the go-to person out of the group of friends who a lot would come to for advice for whatever reason. Um, we have a lot to offer in society beyond sports. But the bottom line is with parents, a lot of them are just overworked and underpaid. So they're having a hard time taking care of these children. And yes, they do want to procreate. They do want to replenish the earth like every other culture, maybe more than others or maybe more than some. I don't really know. This isn't a science show, <laughs> but, you know, I think that's what how you could help the families. But I believe going away and just but first of all, trying to solve the streaming problem in math as a beginning course is kind of crazy and i've said it once i've said it twice i've said it three times if you really 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 believed that this is the way to go then let us know what you're going to do for the special ed kids that are in special ed or the ones that are really low because nobody knows and if everybody's speaking English in your class, wouldn't it make sense to start with English and not math? Because math is a whole other language by itself. And things do add up. But I can honestly tell you, and I'm just going to say this last piece, is things aren't adding up with the de-streaming of math right now. Now, I won't call this exactly story time because I'm probably not going to be doing this all the time and this isn't story time, but I'm going to read an article. Now, this article was written in 2017 and it's called Your Past Makes You Who You Are, a Retrospective Parenting and Relational Resilience Among Black Caribbean British Young People. Okay, now it's written by Michaela Franceschetti or Franceschelli, Ingrid Schoon, and Karen Evans. Okay, it was first published on October 13, 2017. It's a research article. Okay, check it out. Now, remember, you're reading or you're sorry, you're listening to a person read who is living with. <laughs> A learning disability so and it's yet to really be documented whether or not I really have dyslexia or whatever it is but sometimes the words do jump around on the page a little bit my eyes shift around a little bit so it, sometimes I may mess up and if I do please I ask your I humbly apologize <laughs> I ask your forgiveness you check it out retrospective parenting is a new conceptual category emerging from our analysis, which explains how parents have used narratives about the past as a resource for their parenting. With the case of the Thomas family, we introduce, we introduce the concept of retrospective parenting from an inter intergenerational perspective. I hope I don't lose my place here. It's a lot of reading. <laughs> Thomas was a father of two teenagers, Jahil 
and Jayla. Wow. He was in his late 30s, moving from one job to another within the publishing sector. And his wife, Rita, was working as a receptionist. Thomas's idea that the past makes you who you are reflects the essence of retrospective parenting, setting out the importance of the past for the construction of adults and gender identities, in his case, as a man and provider. Your past makes you who you are and, right, I know how you grew up. Do you know what I mean? So everything you do is a part of how you, of how you was grown. Really? That's how he, okay. Uh, apparently this is how he's speaking. So every, so everything you do is a part of, is a part of how you was grown sort of thing and things you didn't get sort of thing. So that for me, it was, I think I vowed from a very young age when my kids want something, when I have kids and they want something, they're going to get it. I'm going to provide it for them. Whereas well as my mom did and wait, whereas as well as my mom did and she provided everything for me and all the rest of it, I got to a point where I think I was about 14. I couldn't even ask my mom for anything anymore. So at 14, you couldn't ask for anything. Okay. If the emphasis is on providing fed into Thomas's idea of gendered family roles, it was also a way of dealing with his missed opportunities. Retrospective parenting was involved various Retrospective parenting was involved, was involved, okay? Various levels of the past, which goes beyond parental biographies. Wait, yeah, biographies, interesting. Re- reaching, sorry, I'm reading this for the first time as I'm, <laughs> I'm listening, I'm reading it and listening at the same time. Reaching to a wider family histories and the history of the communities, including the diaspora diaspora sorry in black history thomas account about his mother suggests how his family familial past was used to make sense of his upbringing first of all and of his parenting thereafter my mom let's see maybe i could do this different let's see (laughs) sorry i'm trying this let's see my mom grew up in jamaica my mom's always been working, but the thing that I recollect from my mother is that when my mom and my dad sort of split up, um, there was a time in my mom's life where she never had every, any, anywhere to live. Me and my mom were staying in bed and breakfast, and for me, my mom always had a difficult, difficult life in some sort of way. Um, so I... So I think everything started to look like everything I struggle for my mom in some sort of way. So that's why I've kind of learned that work hard. So yeah, <laughs> it's actually better that I read a Jamaican accent, but whatever. He also exemplifies 
a reoccurring tendency among the parents in the research, the past was not depicted as natural, but rather the emphasis was on the difficulties, the challenges, and the struggles that it involved. Jahil Thomas, 16 years old son, wanted to study engineering and suggested the importance of having purpose while negotiating present and future aspirations. Here we go. Um, I think my future effects was present, I guess, cause what happens in what happens in the what happens now affects <laughs> affects what's going on to happen in the future. So if I plan out what's going to happen in the future, I can do what I want to do to make sure that things happen in the future. Now I'm realizing that this makes a lot more sense when I'm speaking and reading in a Jamaican accent, by the way. But anyhow, maybe you don't feel that way. Well, let's see. <laughs> this need of a sense of purpose also emerged from Thomas and his wife, Rita Thomas. Wait, Rita. Thomas and Rita wanted their children to have a clear idea of what to do with their lives. As parents who had children at a young age, their narrative reflected a sense of missed opportunities and unfulfilled aspirations and now approaching 40 they had some regrets about how things had turned out for them however they dealt with these <clears throat> feelings differently while rita was about to go back into education thomas was still unsure about what he really wanted to do in his life and continued to float around as he admitted their son Jahil was prepared for his GSSEs and was predicted with a, predicted with a few Bs despite his dyslexia and being diagnosed with a life-threatening disease only shortly prior to our interview with him. So the GSSEs is something you get in university to, I mean, call, I believe in high school. Funny, I was watching it. A show called man like mobin and they were talking about the same thing but pretty much i think it's like your sats in the states um anyhow his words suggest how his perceived duty to succeed had been shaped by his parents and particularly his father's sense of lack of achievement oh boy i think my mom and dad just wanted to be better than they are i guess they don't want me to be on the same level or lower than they on they are like the money that they're making they wanted me to make more money than they're making and have a better life than they had so yeah but they don't have a set path or nothing they just say do what you want to be what do what you want to be it's your option my dad hasn't achieved his dream. My mom, I'm not sure. I've never really asked them, but I know my dad hasn't. So what you realize and what I know from coming from the same culture is a lot of the things that were supposed to be passed passed on in, say, in, um, a verbal history or some kind of verbal um, communication to help children stare away from certain things they would they would try to stare you but they wouldn't give you the history behind it so you just had to decide whether or not you were going to take what their their word was as gold or not 
And a lot of time it depended on how good of a parent you felt your parents were as to whether or not you were going to take what they had to say as anything from that culture. Okay. Jahil's reference to his parents' earning, earnings as a marker of his family status and achievement also reflected a materialistic approach to success, somewhat mirroring his father's. This approach was actually a concern for his mother, Rita, who spoke about Thomas needing control over his shopping habits as he tended to buy things they did not really need. I'm sure a lot of people can attest to that as a black male in, in this society. Black males tend to be very good dressers and like to buy expensive things, but a lot of time it's something that we didn't need, whether it's a bunch of shoes or whether it's a bigger TV, who knows? Let's see what they say here. Such as a big new speaker or a huge flat screen TV. This rush to consume happened for a reason. And Rita's contextualized this in Thomas's behavior as he had to learn to look after himself at a young age. And he want, and then he wanted to provide a better, easier life for his family avoiding the difficulties and constraints he had experienced so he doesn't want his kids to experience the same harshness of the world so he wants to shelter them this is a very common thing again for a lot of black males hence shopping was for him a way to show he could provide for his family moreover having had their children ha having had their first child when they were really young increased the pace of their coming of age. Living a feeling of need, leaving a feeling of needy, needing to catch up with what they had left behind to prioritize their children, intergenerational analysis sheds light on the implications of the parents' biographies in on their children. Okay. Their 19-year-old daughter, Jayla, had her own view about her, her parents' past life experiences. She actually sounded judgmental about their general lack of self-focus and purpose, describing them as floating around. Nonetheless, she also showed awareness of why they had had to put their lives on hold and that was obviously because they were born because if they if they was thinking of themselves okay this is they didn't okay <laughs> because if they was thinking of themselves my mom would have gone to college years ago or my dad would have got a different job years ago and different things would have happened and so yeah but then i guess they had to think about me and my brother they had no choice, but now that they were a bit older, they're starting to realize, actually, what about me? What have I done with myself? I am now 38. What am I going to do? Laughs. <laughs> so yeah, time ticking on. <laughs> so she understands that, and this is what a lot of black parents are going through now, especially from the West Indies. It's, it's, let me interject and say that a lot of black parents have gone through this. They had their children relatively young from the ages of, say, 18 to 24, which is relatively young. 
and then they their kids get to a certain age and then all of a sudden they're thinking you know i didn't fulfill a lot of the things that possibly i could have fulfilled so then yeah the clock starts ticking she's right and they try to make educational decisions ways to get them up into a higher tax bracket and it's going to be a rush and this goes back to me talking about earlier about the fact that schools are trying to help the children who are living in homes of parents who are living unfulfilled lives that's not going to help and i believe it happens in the united states a lot too the same way and it's not only of people who are from the caribbean it's interesting okay i go on here jayla's awareness that her parents life opportunities have been shaped by having her when they were still very young affected her own identity she reflected on her determinant role although although unchosen in shaping the history of her family and portrayed herself as a mature and self-reliant young woman who was parenting her own parents now and that's sad and i think where is it and i think that if they didn't have children they wouldn't be together right now they wouldn't they would have separated and i think that if i had if i wasn't an option and i think that if i wasn't an option if i wasn't around then things would be a bit more they would have they would be able to go for their dreams a bit more they would have been doing what they wanted to do all that time but they but that's because they wouldn't be together so you feel a bit of responsibility of keeping them together it's not that i feel a responsibility not at all i just feel that that's the way it is and yeah it just was it just what happened you have babies you think okay we can separate now we can't separate now we've got to do this and this Thomas and Rita's family introduced important themes about retrospective parenting which were shared by the other families in the study including the importance of different levels of past for parenting and past struggles the following section section looks at retrospective parenting and explores in more depth in characteristics and i'm going to stop there for today next time i'll get into the rest of this and they'll be talking about looking inside retrospective parenting retrospective progressive and preventative practice Oh, preventive practice i should say pretend preventative this is a pretty good this is a pretty good thing here y'all i'm happy that i actually pulled this out not bad not bad at all all right then so anyhow this has been another broadcast of you possibly probably could be should be but ain't right now this has been you probably right i thank you so much for coming out and i ask you please 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 share these episodes 
listen to it with your loved ones, your friends, your enemies, your family, your kids, your mom, your dad, your sister, your cousin, your uncle from another brother, brother, mother from across the street. <laughs> and I'll see you next time or you'll hear me next time. Take care. Peace.